What do you see? Your daughter. The park? Wasn't paying attention. Just for a second. Work? Think I'm ready for duty. Do you feel ready? I think it's the only thing keeping me sane. What's the call? I'm calling to report a bank robbery. Is this crime currently in progress? Today. See that guy on the bench? You have a lighter. That guy's up to something. It's very hot today. It's like a furnace. It's like a furnace. There's a safe deposit box. Is that the target? Box 23. concept of hypnotics 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 have the ability to influence the brain sound voice in light locking eyes hypnotics use them to make you see a version of the world that doesn't exist next it's not here anymore next stop I have to know everything. Why me? Why my daughter? You don't know who you're dealing with. What you see isn't real. Get back! Hypnotics make everything that you see and do feel perfectly normal. everyone and welcome to an all new episode of palace off the top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen and on deck for today's episode my review of the new film hypnotic from director robert rodriguez starring my boy ben affleck who will also be returning for one final time as the batman in the flash in a little less than a month away i'm super excited about that i can't contain my excitement but today we'll be talking about his film hypnotic uh, my review will be coming in the middle of the show. I've got a lot to say, including I want to, you know, defend this movie a little bit against the Hollywood Reporter, which put out an article earlier this week, um, talking about its box office, uh, failure. Uh, I'll have a lot to say about that. Um, towards the later end of the episode, I'm going to be talking about All Elite Wrestling. They announced something huge today at the upfronts for Warner's Discovery or Warner Brothers Discovery, whatever it's called these days. Uh, they announced something. And I'm going to be talking about that in the final tail end of this episode. Really huge news, great news for that organization. Uh, I'm super excited. Um, We've officially started the uh, summer box office, folks. The summer movie season is upon us. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy entered its second weekend. 
Um, we got Fast X upcoming. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a bit, but let, let's get into the box office report for this past week. Guardians, uh, my biggest question was going to be not if it was going to open huge. It was going to be what the second weekend was going to be, right? Because lately, a lot of the Marvel movies have been very, very front-loaded, meaning like they open huge and then they just completely fall off. And we can just go recently recently to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. That opened to about $106 million, somewhere around that range. That was the first weekend. And then it just completely died off. It topped up at a little over $200 million. So that is pretty bad for a big uh, Marvel project, which has basically been the, the lifeline of the of the movie theater box office uh, for so many years now. So my uh, questions were always going to be about the second weekend of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now it opened to 114 million, which was not bad, way down from part two, and of course, um, just significantly down, just post endgame. Everything has been just really down. Um, I know Thor, Love and Thunder ended up grossing more than Ragnarok, but even then it just didn't have that, it just didn't feel like it had that luster, that, that gravitas, that just the buzz that all of these Marvel movies have had. But I'm happy to report, especially in my line of work, that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 only suffered a 47% drop. Now, usually these movies, uh, when they were at their peak, uh, were at either 50 or 55%. That would, that was the norm. Uh, something like Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think dipped like 60 close to 70%. So 47%, and what I'm being told is probably the best hold for any Marvel movie, if, if not Marvel movie, a Marvel sequel. So it's either one of the two. But either way, it only had a 47% drop, and it was obviously number one at the box office this weekend. So uh, we'll get to that number in just a bit. Let's round out the top five. So coming in at number five was Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, pulling in another $2.5 million for a total of $16.5 million from Lionsgate. Uh, not really good from for their end. Uh, their biggest hit, obviously, has been John Wick Chapter 4. Um, and then they got the Hunger Games later on this year. So um, they were hoping for a little bit of a spark with this one. I thought this one was going to perform well. But it, I just didn't see it. And the, the crowd wasn't there for it. And But it's still in the top five. So that's something, I guess. At number four, Evil Dead Rise. Pulling in $3.7 million to bring its total to 60 million domestically now remember this was supposed to be originally a streaming movie on hbo max or it's about to turn into just max but the people over at warner's uh believe more in the theatrical side of things so they gave this one a chance and we all know horror usually does pretty well at the box office these days so 60 million for this movie and i'm sure it didn't cost too much i don't know the budget but the fact that it's pulled in this much already in about four weeks uh is pretty awesome at number three, the sequel, the new film, Book Club, the next chapter, pulling in 6.6 6 million. Um, coming in a little bit below what 80 for Brady did. 80 for Brady was the, uh, kind of like that very older female crowd movie uh, event of the year for me so far. And I think from the audience, I mean, uh, there was people out for Book Club, but it just wasn't in the same, you know, just people wanting to see it like, like 80 for Brady. So, but still, Top three, but I was expecting a little bit more for this one. I think the first book club had a better opening. Um, and this one did open for Mother's Day weekend, which is why I thought it would open a little higher. But I guess not. 
Uh, and then, of course, at number two, the Super Mario Brothers movie pulling in another $12.6 million to bring its total to $535 million. Now, again, I thought this movie was going to do big success, but I just didn't think it was going to be like astronomical numbers. Um, I think it just passed the Dark Knight on the all-time domestic list. I think it's close. The next um, milestone it has to hit is whether or not it's going to pass The Incredibles. Two as the number one biggest animated movie of all time, uh, domestically of course. Um, so it's sitting at 535 million. I think The Incredibles two is somewhere around 608 million, somewhere around there. So will it beat it? I mean, we got The Little Mermaid coming up in uh, in two weeks, and then we got uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. So families are going to have options now. So Super Mario Brothers, we'll see if it continues to hang on and we'll see how much more box office damage it's going to do before we see where it ends up on the all-time list. And then number one, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, as I mentioned, only dipped 47%, which is really, really good for for a sequel, especially a three-parter, coming in with $62 million, uh, to bring its total to $214 million, which makes it already the second highest grossing movie of the year behind the Super Mario Brothers movie. And those are your top five movies for the for the week. I'm um, so glad that the summer movie season is is here. Is usually going to be it's going to be a lot of fun this summer. There's just so much to go around and pretty much something every week. Um, and let's let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. Fast X, the tenth Fast and Furious movie. Who would have ever thought, huh? I've been rewatching the movies this past week with my dad, who's never really seen them. I think he's seen only the first one, and then I think he said he saw a part of. Fast Five. So we've been rewatching them, and of course, you know, they get ridiculous and more ridiculous as you go on. But man, it's such a fun franchise, man. And I, I know what these movies are. Um, and I know we've seen the best of them already. For me, like part five and part six were like the peak of how good they were going to get. And, and seven, of course, was like a miracle considering what happened with Paul Walker. So, and that one was, was of course, the highest grossing in the franchise because of that. But ever since then, it's kind of just been like, eh, you know, whatever. But I still enjoy the characters. And, you know, they've added a couple more people like Charlize Theron, who's always pretty good. John Cena from the WWE world. I, I of course, enjoy that. That kind of piqued my interest more for F9, um, which came out two years ago. And now for this one, they're adding in Jason Momoa, who looks like freaking playing the Joker. Uh, it's just, it looks Balls to the wall, even more crazy and over the top. And the villain just looks ridiculous, which Momo is playing. They're also adding in Brie Larson. Uh, I'm not sure what her character is going to be. I've read up a little bit, but not too much. I know the movie's been out already internationally, and and people have reviewed it and spoiled it and and all that stuff. And but the biggest thing coming out of the uh, release of it internationally was Vin Diesel was on the red carpet with Michelle Rodriguez, and I think it was like a Fandango interview. And they were talking about the the interviewer was talking about like oh this is like uh, the first of the part two because uh, Fast X is going to be a two part uh, finale and Vin Diesel let it slip that the Universal you know head honchos were watching the movie and they were like oh, you think maybe you can squeeze a, another movie out of it and make it like a trilogy so it looks like we may be getting two more Fast and Furious movies after this one of course they're all part of I think they're all just going to be called. Like Fast X, so it's gonna be Fast X Part Two, whenever the next one hits in 2025, and then I'm sure Part Three will be either two years after that or a year later. I'm not sure how. how I'm sure they want to milk it for as much as they can, 
Because I don't blame Universal because you can shit on Fast and Furious all you want, people. You can say, oh, like, I've had enough of these movies. Like, this is a freaking billion dollar franchise. Like, and who would have, this is like one of the biggest miracles in the history of movies. Like, if you look back on the history of what this was supposed to be and how big it got. So, you know, you can hate it for all you want, but it, it's made a lot of money, not just here in the U.S., but just all over the world. So it, it's a global uh, phenomenon. So, Yes, Universal. If they want to stretch it out more, of course they're going to want to. Do I want to see it end? Of course, sure, because I think it's peaked. It peaked a long time ago, but you know, if they made like Fast and Furious twenty and you still had like somewhat of the same cast, of course I'm going to show up every time because I just enjoy these characters, even though I know the movies aren't as good. But as far as like what it's going to do for opening weekend, um. F9 opened to about 70 million and that was around the time of the pandemic still pretty much going full on like movie theaters were back open fully but it was still kind of like do people want to go out so it was still like a weird time but now we're like full on back to the way it was before uh, the pandemic so what I'm predicting for this one honestly I wouldn't be shocked if it was around 50-55 you know Anything above 60 for me would be considered like a surprise just because I think the 10th movie, I mean, it's just really hard unless you're Marvel, but again, Marvel has variety, but a 10th movie in a franchise, like, I mean, come on, at some point it's got to be overkill, right? Um, so yes, I'm going with around 50 to 55 million for my prediction, but again, if it goes above 60, then I'll be surprised and that means this franchise has still got something for it. Uh, going for it and uh the reviews are going to matter too because there's going to be a lot of competition it's got guardians this weekend too which is going to be holding well and it's the critics love it the audience loves it i kind of still want to see it again i really enjoyed the movie um and people are still coming out to see that so it's got that going against it then you got disney coming out next week with the little mermaid and that's going to attract families and all that stuff so it's got strong competition for memorial day weekend and then, of course, the week after that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is going to build off the huge success of the first one. So uh, it it may get lost in the shovel. It's going to be number one this weekend, no doubt about it. But where it goes after that, I'm not sure. It could really, really fall off quickly. Um, but, of course, it depends on whether the audience likes it or not. That's going to be a huge part of it. With these movies, the critics really don't matter because this is like the kind of like it's not in the same like the early Transformers movies, but it's sort of in that range where like the the critics don't matter, you know, because people love these characters and they continue to show up, especially here in the South, uh, South Texas, you know, the Hispanic uh, demo really loves those movies. So we'll see. I mean, it may be huge here in South Texas, but everywhere else people may just not really show up for it. But I think it's got a, a good enough cast and it looks decent enough. Just my perspective on on seeing the trailers and stuff. I mean, at this point, they went to space. And, you know, for me, my favorite was always Paul Walker. Uh, he was always the heartbeat of the franchise, but obviously he passed away. Um, there's rumors that he may be brought back. Because uh, if you saw Furious 7, as I was watching last night, and they were still in the early stages of that. But Paul Walker's brother finished that movie, and they digitized Paul Walker's face onto i believe it was like cody cody walker i believe is the name of the brother and they they pasted paul's face on him and he finished off the movie and again i'm not going to fault the technology at the time it just was very in the early stages but you could tell right that it wasn't paul walker especially me like i could notice stuff like that right off the bat 
but the technology has gotten better but i'm also about like uh i mean if he's got the blessing of the family to do something like that and i'm talking like vin diesel and the producers all that stuff if they got permission from the family to use his likeness and to bring him back in some form um we'll see i I really don't want to see it but if it were to happen would i like shed a tear maybe i don't know probably not i'm thinking too far ahead but i just want an entertaining movie i know what these things are i'm not expecting like oscars or and that's okay you know most movies that you see in your life and i preach this all the time most movies in your life are going to be three stars they're going to just be okay like you go in for two hours or whatever it is and you're going to come out and be like eh, that was fun and then you move on with your life it's not going to have have you like thinking about it for months on end and have you questioning and you know looking stuff up like no it's just a fun time at the movies and isn't that Really what you want out of your movie theater experience is just to have a good time. And that's what the Fast series is, for as ridiculous as it is. Um, anyways, that's the box office talk for this week. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to review the new film Hypnotic starring Ben Affleck. This is Palace off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Let's start back at the beginning, shall we? Los Angeles, 2001. Local kids, street racers who became hijackers. If it could be done in a car, they did it. If it violates the laws of gravity, they did it twice. But the days where one man behind the wheel of a car can make a difference are over. You might want to buckle up. It's the great Dom Toretto. I'm Dante. I'm Shante. You never would have gotten behind that wheel never be the man I am today. He's coming for you with everything. Let's end this. That was awesome! We PG-13. Only theaters May 19th. Welcome back to the show. Once again, Fast X is in theaters this Friday. Um, looking forward to that. One more thing I wanted to talk about before we get to my review of Hypnotic. The new trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 came out today. Um, it's a new trailer. We've obviously had the teaser that's been out for a while. I think it came out like in December. But we got a new one today, which I was hoping would at least give us somewhat more of what the movie's going to be about. And um, don't I'm not sure if we quite got that. It was more of a remixed version of a tra- of the trailer that we already got, you know, just sprinkled in with a bunch of new couple of new shots and most of it like tom cruise just running around and talking about needing to save everybody and how his friends are more important than his own life you know just it looks awesome i'm super excited for it i'm not gonna lie um but i was a little underwhelmed by the trailer just because i i need to get like more pumped for it and probably more because i was spoiled by mission impossible fallout and how fucking incredible that trailer was if you remember go look it up the first teaser trailer for that one it was set to imagine dragons friction and it was just done so well i think it was one of the best trailers of the last decade um and the mission impossible movies have usually been pretty good about adding like a a nice song to get it like get you even more amped so from that aspect i've just been spoiled so i was a little underwhelmed but the movie looks fantastic like it looks beautifully shot and i'm expecting nothing less from christopher mcquarrie who's directed the last what three movies now 
Uh, he's proven to be a top filmmaker in the industry and him and Tom Cruise just have this amazing chemistry and collaboration together and they're just doing amazing stuff and I'm super pumped for this. July 12th is when it comes out. I was just expecting a little bit more umph, not so much the story, but just umph on the trailer, like pack it up, add a Metallica song in there, you know, something like that. You know what I mean? Just to get me to jam out in my car. That's really what I'm more disappointed about is that I don't have a trailer to jam out to in my car because when Fallout came out, that trailer was in my car blaring and people would look at me weird thinking I was jamming out to some song and even somebody caught me one time like, hey man, what are you listening to? And I was like, the Mission Impossible trailer, man. <laughs> they gave me like the weirdest look. I'm the weirdest fucking guy you'll ever meet. Uh, who jams out to movie trailers in their car? This guy. Um, so yes, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning coming in July. Super pumped for it, but the trailer, the new one, didn't give me too much, and it wasn't all the umph I was looking for, but still super excited, not taking away anything from Tom Cruise. He's the man. All right, let's get to Hypnotic, a movie that was not marketed in the very least. Uh, I believe the trailer only came out like a month and a half or two months ago, and it was just kind of just released like nothing. And, you know, this is Ben Affleck, who is... One of the biggest stars that we still have in Hollywood, you know, he's an Oscar-winning uh, screenwriter. He's a uh, his movies have won Best Picture. Um, he's directed multiple movies, so he's a big name in Hollywood. So when this was announced, and it was coming from director Robert Rodriguez, who's done like the Spy Kids movies and Sin City, and you know the the Mariachi trilogy with Antonio Banderas, he's got. A lot of credibility. So I was expecting like, okay, this may be released by a major studio. And it was released by a company called Ketchup Entertainment. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but my buddy had told me that the, uh, that the company crumbled already. So maybe that's probably why it didn't get marketed. And before I get to my review, just want to talk about the Hollywood Reporter. They put out an article saying like, oh, what a big bomb that this was. And it's like, I never saw commercials for this thing anywhere. And nobody knew about it. And I work in the movie theater industry. And I remember I had people coming up saying like, well, what's hypnotic? And I'd be like, oh, it's this new, you know, kind of like action sci-fi thriller with uh, Ben Affleck. And they're like, Ben Affleck? He's in this? Had I known, you know, I would have bought my ticket ahead of time. So... There wasn't the awareness for it. So people out there know who Ben Affleck is, still love Ben Affleck. You know, we just had Air come out not so long ago. He directed that fucking awesome movie. It's available on Amazon Prime now. Go watch it if you haven't or if it's still in your theater. What are you waiting for? Um, but yeah, there was just no awareness of the movie. And I think even I was one of the only ones at work who knew what it was because I follow this stuff and Ben Affleck is one of my favorite actors. So of course I'm going to be invested in anything that he's involved with. But there was just no marketing whatsoever for this. And for them to slam this movie like it was some fail big-ass failure. It's not like it was released by Warner Brothers. You could say that. Had this been released by Warner Brothers or Paramount Pictures or Universal where they had a marketing campaign and you see commercials on YouTube, on TV, you know, wherever. TikTok, you'd see ads for it. You saw nothing for this movie. So, And if you watch it... It really doesn't have kind of like the big budget behind it that a major studio would give a movie like this because this would, and this was kind of like a throwback for me, this was kind of like a movie that would have been released like in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, and Ben Affleck in the early part of his career would have done a movie like this, and it maybe would have done a little bit higher had it been released by a bigger studio. 
but it wasn't. So it was kind of a little bit low scale. Um, the script was not all too, let's say it needed some tightening up and some of the dialogue could have been a bit better. You could tell where it was maybe a, a fresh young writer or someone just really, I think Rodriguez wrote it. If, if I am, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to be harsh on him, but sometimes like, you know, he's a great director, but sometimes like you could leave the writing to somebody else. Some of the dialogue in this movie was just kind of like, Oh man, Ben Affleck, you're talking about a guy that's done Goodwill Hunting and, you know, Argo and just movies like that where the dialogue is a little bit more just up to par with the star that he is. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it's a 90-minute movie. I enjoyed it for what it was. I believe it was filmed in different parts of Texas. Uh, ben Affleck does shout out Laredo, my hometown, in some of his dialogue, so I will give uh, Rodriguez props for that. Uh, so that was cool. Um but the story's pretty simple. It tries to go into like this huge sci-fi thing. So it's basically about Ben Affleck plays this cop. He's an Austin uh, police officer or detective. And uh, his daughter goes missing on uh, whenever he's has her and they're out like uh, at the park or something like that. And the daughter goes missing. And it turns out that they're involved in this whole thing. And it turns into this huge like mind-bending kind of story. But... Again, there's moments where this thing has flashes that it could be like awesome and turned into a franchise, and it even leaves it open ended where they could make a sequel. But the fact that this didn't even make money, so unless like Warner's or something like that saw this and saw potential and invested into a sequel, I don't see it happening. But there are moments where it's like, man, there's there's good stuff here where you could build on the mythology, but it I just feel it wasn't executed just right. But to see Ben Affleck in a movie like this, um is kind of a little bit surprising only because I feel like he's matured. And I'm not saying like this is like some like beneath him type of movie, but I just mean in terms of like the presentation, um, like the younger Affleck, yes, would have done this, like no question. But what I did enjoy was Ben Affleck's performance because you can tell he's seasoned now and more mature as an actor. So he knows how to kind of play it the way he's supposed to. And that makes it fresh and, and exciting. And also just like, this is like the mid-budget type of movie that we used to miss getting released in theaters. Like, not everything needs to be a giant uh, box office hit. Do we want all movies to be successful and make money? Yes. But they're also like, again, like people that didn't know that were walking into the theater just looking for something to watch. And they were like, oh, Ben Affleck's in this? Cool. Let me go see it. Like, those are the days. And this is why I think movie stars are still so important and vital to, like, you know, original movies getting made. Now, hypnotic is not some, like, new concept. Like, there's always been these, like, mind-bending thrillers where it's kind of, like, got Inception vibes and Matrix and stuff like that. And is this the real world? Is it not the real world? What's going on? What's real? What's not? So it's not new in that aspect. But it's a different perspective on that kind of story. And I appreciate that. So in that sense, it is kind of, like, original. I mean, it's not based off of anything that's been done before. Like, it's not a reboot or a remake. So, yes, I think having movie stars and stuff like this is vital uh, for movie theaters as, as far as, like, alternative content. Because imagine if you're not into the comic books and the Guardians or the Super Mario, just you don't want to be around kids and you want just, like, a good adult action drama thriller, like, there's your movie right there. And I think had it gotten the awareness and the marketing behind it, the machine behind it, I think it could have done decent. I mean, Ben Affleck's not a nobody. I mean, we all know... 
we, we all know who he is. He's played Batman. He's been in big movies. He's associated with Matt Damon. So he's a well-known person. And he's married to one of the most gorgeous women in the world in Jennifer Lopez. So, yes, he's a well-known uh, celebrity in Hollywood. So I just think that with the right push of marketing, this could have done a little better. But, of course, it wasn't distributed by Warners or Universal or Paramount or anything like that. So when I saw who it was distributed by, and it was one of those movies where – and you've seen those movies where it's got like 12 or 15 production logos before the movie starts. So that, that's how you know it took like a bunch of people to get involved to get this thing made and, and get it released. Which is weird though because, you know, Robert Rodriguez is uh, pretty well known as well. And you figured he'd have some kind of, you know, credibility and notoriety. And same thing for Ben Affleck. You know, he's starring in it. and But again, the movie's not as strong. So... I could see it from that point of view, but I still enjoyed it. It was 90 minutes. It didn't harm me. It, I was in and out and I was like, and like I just mentioned earlier with Fast X, like I don't need all my movies to be Oscar contenders or the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. Movies can kind of just be in the middle and that's what this was, a middle, you know, mid-budget movie starring one of my favorite actors and uh will I add this to my collection? I collect all Ben Affleck movies on physical media, so I'll probably add this one if it gets released. But that's just uh me. But, you know, if you got nothing else to watch and you've got it at your theater and you want to see something different that's not out of the, the norm that we're getting with superhero movies and just big IP movies, like, go oh, check out this one. It's more character-driven and it, it kind of wants to make you think, but it's not as smart as it wants to be. But it's still entertaining enough, and it's not bloated and long, so you're not going to be in there forever. So I liked it, um, and again, it was also limited release, so I don't know really if it isn't everywhere. So again, Hollywood Reporter so stupid for trying to dog on this and call it a bomb. But um, yeah, that's Hypnotic for you, and um, that's my movie of the week. Let's take one final break. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit of wrestling and all elite wrestling and everything that they announced today at the upfronts for Warner Brothers Discovery. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Live from the Jeddah Superdome in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We will crown a new world heavyweight champion. Welcome back to the show, WWE Night of Champions, coming to you next Saturday afternoon from Saudi Arabia. We're going to be crowning the new World Heavyweight Champion, a title that was created exclusively for Monday Night Raw, and we'll see Seth freaking Rollins versus AJ Styles to see who will be the first champion ever with that belt. Um, I personally don't like it. I like only having one championship uh for the brand, um, but unfortunately Roman Reigns holds the WWE Championship, which has all of the lineage 
and the Universal Championship together. So, but he's on SmackDown, so they created this whole thing. So it's just like 2002 all over again. So, but people are acting like this is being done for the first time ever. But I don't understand some of these wrestling journalists who don't even look at their own history. Um, I do, so it's weird for me. So that the fact that they're creating this new belt is just, uh, it's a little odd for me. But, um, if I had to pick anyone, um, Eh, well, you know, I'll save it for next week when the show airs, or maybe I'll do a little preview of it come next week. Um, all right, AEW guys, let's let's finish this out. So today, Warner Brothers Discovery had their upfronts where they announced like their television shows, and all of the networks have been doing this like over the last like week or so. You know, we saw ABC, Fox, all that stuff. Um, so. This had been in the works for a while, and I've been reading about it, but I didn't really want to talk about it until it was official. Um, I had mentioned about CM Punk uh, possibly coming back to AEW. Now, that looks to be the case. Uh, I'm recording this now while AEW Dynamite is going on on TBS, so we'll find out more about that part of it. But officially, folks, there is going to be a new television show from AEW on Saturday night. It's called AEW Saturday Collision. So this is going to be a two-hour show. It's going to be the equivalent of how when when there was Monday Night Raw and then they created SmackDown. So two like uh, just primetime shows dedicated to to content. So this isn't going to be like Rampage where it's kind of just like a shortened, you know, just kind of like whatever show and stuff is thrown together um, and not really like that high profile. Like, no, this is going to be live every Saturday. Well, at least we think it's going to be live every Saturday uh, from 7 to 9 in my time zone, depending on where you're at. Um, and it's going to be two hours and it's going to be have a bunch of uh, star power. And this is supposedly going to be where CM Punk is going to do the final run of whatever's left on his AEW contract. He's going to be on this show. Now, whether or not that's true on that end, we don't know. What we know for sure is this show is going to exist, uh, but all the rumors leading up to it was that CM Punk was going to be on this one and he was going to kind of lead this one. And I know WWE does like the brand split, but they kind of like forget the rules sometimes and people show up on each other's show, like regardless of whether or not there's a split or not. I think the same is going to happen here. Well, you'll see certain wrestlers specifically like on Dynamite and then some on that are just on Collision. But then you'll see people like MJF, I can imagine, is going to be somebody that's going to be going from both Dynamite and Collision. Same thing for someone like Chris Jericho, Adam Cole. Um, now, where the divide is and whether or not, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and CM Punk whether they're going to cross over or even cross past. That remains to be seen, and I'm sure we'll hear about it more tonight on Dynamite once I'm done recording this and gets to watch that. But I'll tell you what, as a wrestling fan, I dig more content. Now, does this mean, like, is it oversaturated a little bit? Probably, but I'm an introvert, so all I do is watch television sometimes, and I rarely go out on the weekends, whether I'm, you know, either I work or I'm off and not really doing anything. So having a Saturday night wrestling show in the evening, something to watch, like that's, you know, just big ups for me. So I'm cool with it. I'm excited for it. Um, AEW does have a huge roster and sometimes a lot of the talent doesn't get to get exposed as, uh, more often than they should. So this, I think this is a good thing. Like, I don't know about the brand split thing, but if this gives Ricky Starks, let's say, the opportunity to be more of a main event player on one show as opposed to like barely getting time on the other, I'm all for that. Like you, you want to create your next stars, 
And when your roster is as big as AEW is, some three hours of television is not enough because, you know, things are going rapid fire and, you know, you watch these dynamite shows and they're just like super fast paced because they're trying to get so much in there. But sometimes you need to let stuff breathe. And now with the addition of collision, you can pay more attention to certain feuds and they can dominate like the entire show. And, you know, other wrestlers can appear on the other show and, and start their own thing. So this is good. Uh, I know there's people that are like, oh, I don't like this idea of a roster split or certain wrestlers being on certain shows. It's going to work, folks. And I think AEW is in the right hands with Tony Khan. Uh, he's not going to mess this up. I know in, in the WWE side of things, things get like really jubbled and, and all this stuff with Vince McMahon. And I know he's back in the mix somewhat a little bit. So, you know, this whole drafting that they, they just did on their end, it's been a little wonky and some of the stuff doesn't make sense. But that we've just come accustomed to it being done that way when it comes to Vince McMahon. But I think with Tony Khan and AEW, we really need to give them the benefit of the doubt because I, as much as like their show hasn't really been like as entertaining for me at the least, they're at least still doing their episodes are pretty decent every week. Like I can't remember an episode that was like, God, this was like awful to watch and just incoherent. Like, yes, I make fun of the, some of the stuff that's on there, but for the most part, their shows are, always super consistent and warners is aware of that and they're you know doubling down on wrestling for that matter you know giving them a whole two-hour block of more television is always a good sign so for those of you that are always rooting for the failure of aw but you're a pro wrestling fan like you're weird Uh, i don't understand these aw versus wwe people um like yes maybe i may prefer sometimes wwe over aew and then there's times where i prefer aew over wwe but i want them to both succeed okay um because i just love pro wrestling in general so this is awesome news i'm excited it starts june 17th and again the rumor is this is where cm punk's gonna make his return but um that hasn't been officially been said and again i'm gonna watch dynamite once i'm done recording here so maybe they'll announce more on that and i'll have more to say on it on next week's episode but that's the huge news for this week and that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you all so much. You have no idea. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, the Unnecessary Roughness podcast is out there. It's a new show I'm doing with Jake Ramirez and Abraham Trevino that's going to be distributed through this channel, but it's it's a separate thing. I, I'm, I'm a part of a group on that one. Like This podcast, this show that you're listening to right now, this is mine. This is the stuff that I want to talk about, but... And the other show, it's football. It's what I love, but I'm going to be doing it as a team. So it's going to be a combined effort for us to put all of our thoughts and the stuff that we want to discuss on that show. But it will be, it will be distributed under this channel. So when you see the Unnecessary Roughness podcast, just remember it's going to be all football and all the pop culture, all the movie stuff, wrestling, uh, just anything related to pop culture will be on this podcast. Anything football will be all over there. I will leave all my thoughts for that show because that's where, that's the way we want to do it. Um, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, however you get your podcast. It's pretty much on all the channels. I release it through podbean.com. You can download also the Podbean app. You can listen through there. I do distribute it through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, sometimes YouTube. Sometimes it pops up there. Sometimes it not doesn't. So you can listen also through there. Um, 
thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next week. We'll probably, I'll be reviewing Fast X. Maybe I'll do a little preview of Night of Champions. And then we'll see if we hear more about uh, CM Punk possibly returning on this new collision show that's going to be debuting on June 17th. That's the weekend of The Flash. Hmm. Something big is happening there. Anyways, take care. God bless, guys. You never heard-